Thanks for tuning in to the Food About Town podcast. My name is Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. This week is episode 28 where I talk to Ben McDonald from brewmechanics.com. Ben and I made a trip to the food truck rodeo right before we recorded this episode. So we talked a little bit about what we ate. We talked about Ben's business venture. We also did a little bit of discussion about the local beer scene. And then we sampled uh, one of the beers I brought back from Vermont a couple weeks ago. I had a really good time talking to Ben. Uh, I'm learning a lot about beer in the last, uh, you know, six months. And it's great to talk to somebody who has passion about it as well. Uh, Ben also has a podcast called Beer Otaku. You can find on his website, brewmechanics.com, and also on SoundCloud. So please uh, check out Ben's podcast. And if you need his services, please check out brewmechanics.com. Thanks for tuning in. why we drink it here and when we're gone from here what well, our friends will be drinking all the beer everybody sing in heaven there is no beer that's why we drink it here and when we're gone from here what well, our friends will be drinking all the beer So this is episode 28, and I'm talking to the illustrious Ben McDonald. Well, that's my father, sir, the illustrious. <laughs> I didn't know that was an official title, but now I'm feeling better about it. That's what he made us call him. <laughs> so we just came from the food truck rodeo. So Ben and I went out there, tried a few things, and uh, I think this will be our first uh, talk about the food truck rodeo on the podcast. So... Um, was this the first time you'd been there, Ben, or you gone before? Actually, I've gone before. This is my second event I've I've gone to. Okay, so second time you'd been to the food truck rodeo. Yeah, better experience this time than the first time. It's funny. It there were a lot more people at this one. It was a bigger crowd. It was a much harder hotter day, uh, scorching, but it was a better event. Yeah, definitely a better event. Yeah. So we walked around and. For those that have been following me on the blog, I've done food truck recap, food truck rodeo recaps in the past, and you know it, it kind of it t- tends to get a little bit stale over time because it's a lot of the same people, a lot of the same stuff. Um, but it's nice going there with somebody who's less familiar, so you can show them the greatest hits and try something new at the same time. Kind of almost like watching your favorite movie with someone who's never seen it. Yeah, I think it makes yeah. a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, so we. We were able to try uh, Marty's Meats Brisket, which is truly one of the best sandwiches in Rochester. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan now, thanks to you. Turned out pretty good, right? Yeah, I was, I was, it's definitely someplace I'm going to go, I'm going to recommend. So uh, Marty Meats, if you don't know me, get to know me. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that. We tried a brand new truck, which was a uh, uh, Seoul Korean barbecue. Yeah, that was... Uh the first time there today, right? Yeah, it was their first their first service, which I told them the same I've told other people. It's a crazy thing to do your first service at the food truck rodeo. 
but this is not the first truck that's done it. I think the meatball truck did it, and a lot of the trucks really started there. It's great to get that boost right away, you know, when you get that crazy amount of business. Is there anyone who ever said that to you, and they've said, look, Chris, this is not our first rodeo? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so this, this this is how we're playing. We're Sorry. Playing, we're playing the pun game. <laughs> I'm all for it. I love puns. <laughs> Um, That'll probably be my best one for tonight. So that was a good one. I, I might I, just say you, you win. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we what we have there? We had uh, we had bulgogi, kimchi, and rice uh, empanadas, which was basically like a bibimbap inside an empanada. Yeah, um, I thought it was really creative. They'd kind of run out of some of their other things, but yeah, you're you're a little less familiar with Korean food, right? I. Yeah, um, I know I've had Korean food. Um, I know I've gone to a couple good places outside of Rochester. Sure. Um, but I don't know enough about it to, to be able to recognize things. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I recognize some of the ingredients. I know there tends to be a lot more like cabbage and you know things like that. But no, you're the expert in that area. Yeah, I thought, although, what do you think? Did you like it? I loved it. Yeah, it was yeah, very tasty. It was. And I, I was surprised. You know, sometimes these fusiony things can get... Too mushed and muddled. Yeah. Muddled? Muddled. Yeah. And I'm not going to say muddled. It's not a word. Uh, <laughs> then you get a little muddled, but this was really, it was basically bibimbap inside an empanada, and it was really well done. I'm yeah. looking forward to trying the rest of their food. That's what surprised me, because it felt like there was rice in there, right? Yeah. And, you know, something like rice, you know, you're already dealing with the, you're already dealing with the, uh, you know, with the breading and yep. the fried breading. So you got that, and it starts from that. And so when you put rice in there, white rice, which I think it was, yeah, you got more, you know, you got more starch, and then just all together. And I was expecting it just to be kind of mushy, or I was expecting it to be, I don't know, just sort of like blah. Yeah. And there was a lot of flavor there, and there was some texture, and there were some, you know, some differences in the and and the again in the spices. So I was kind of surprised, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I think that's one thing that people get scared away from when they look at uh, ethnic cuisines, yeah. um, whether it's you know the variety of Asian cuisines or uh, other places, is not everything has to be crazy in yeah. flavors. That was actually pretty subtle. Yeah, It was very fresh, very simple. And I think a lot of times people get scared away by the intensity yeah. of the flavors. I think, too, sometimes people get afraid of um, the... the, the that not knowing what to expect, so they don't have a standard mm-hmm. when they walk into something like that. Um, and so you don't know if you're supposed to like it, but you don't like it. You don't know <laughs> if you're liking it, but you're not supposed to. Right. You know, and, and so I feel like people just don't like being, uh, just don't like being in that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if there's other people there, especially if the owner's there, you know? For sure. So I think that's kind of what scares people off. And especially food trucks, because you're often dealing with the owner. Yeah, you are. They're right there. You're talking directly to them. <laughs> and they're like, this is great, right? You like it? And you're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Although it can be awkward when you do the other thing and tell them why you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely done that. And it can be it can be awkward. Yeah. You know, very usually, awkward. Usually. Yeah. So we also did, uh, we tried brick and mortar. Yes. We tried their banh mi, which is not a traditional take. Okay. Um, it, it, I think today it fell a little bit flat. It was still pretty tasty, but yeah. it didn't quite have that dynamic banh mi flavor. You know, it didn't have that funk. It didn't have the other 
the uh, maybe enough pickle. It was tasty. It was a good pulled pork sandwich. But so it is a Korean barbecue. Uh, it's actually Vietnamese. Vietnamese, okay. So it'd be more Vietnamese, and it can be any number of meats, but yeah. it, it just didn't have the same pop as a banh mi. I'm not sure I would have called it that. Okay. I still liked it, but it's not. I thought it was kind of bland. Yeah, it was. A, it fell a little flat. Yeah, except for the only thing exciting in that was in the sandwich itself was the uh, was the cabbage or sure. or the slaw, sure, and the pickle. That was it, you know. Um, between the bread and even the meat, you know, usually the meat is going to have a lot of flavor, regardless of what you know nationality is attached to it. Usually, you'll get something, but it's sure. just you know, it could have just been an off day, which. You know, I have to. Yeah, and I've had people. I've had a lot of great stuff there. I had a porchetta sandwich from them during yeah. Jazz Fest that was astonishing. Yeah, and you know, it's it was clean. It was pretty tasty. It just it was well made. It just wasn't popping for me yeah, tonight. That's what it was. It, Especially it was when well we made. had when we had the 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 frisket sandwich and from Marty's. Right. Yeah, that was just yeah. So that was like. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be crass. <laughs> yeah, but it was just making me think, you know, it's like having something really, really, really good that just that's all you can think about. Like you weren't expecting that, and that's all you can think about now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so it just kind of set the, kind of set the my taste buds for everything else I had that night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was it was it was decently made, and I definitely you know give them respects for that. But it just wasn't doing it for me that yeah. I definitely say to give them another shot with yeah. some of their other items. And I will. I've heard good things about them. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely attest that. I've had amazing stuff at that truck. Um, and then you you finished off with uh, Eat Me Ice Cream uh, Sandwich. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard a lot about those girls and their ice cream, and uh, I've seen their write-ups in different places. And um, the ice cream I picked was the ice cream sandwich, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And it was a vanilla chocolate ice cream yeah. and i don't know if it was vegan or you know regular regular milk fat or what sure. but it was pretty good oh yeah it was very good the cookie was great absolutely so that that that's what definitely what made it and um so i think they're really on to something yeah it's a, it's a really cool place i love the diversity of flavors that they do yeah um that kind of creativity is very well i think very well received most of the time yeah yeah of course, you got to stick to the basics, but yeah, and I, and I love what's happening in Rochester with that. Um, just seeing a lot more people kind of get creative with things you maybe don't necessarily see, ice cream, you sure. know, and um, food, and so yeah, I'm, I'm loving what's happening in Rochester with the food trucks in general, and and just you know with restaurants and sure all variety of eatums. <laughs> it's not a word, but we're gonna eatums. Use it. Yeah. Yeah, like steakums. Steakums. Mm, steakums. <laughs> it does remind me of high school lunch. Yeah. That was one of the best things though. At lunch or when you went home and made your own oh, lunch? Oh no, that was always like school lunch. Oh, okay. And we never had that at home. We had those at like school lunches. I remember oh. I can taste it. Yeah. Now that now that I said it, I'm like, yeah. I can taste exactly the flavor. You mean when you first bit into it or like a couple hours later when you kind of <laughs> regurgitate it in your throat? Yeah, and it's, def- it's definitely <laughs> that kind of food yeah. that, you know, reconstituted beef meal. Oh, yeah. Oh, delicious, though. Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you guys had them. I grew up in Chicago, so everyone, you know, it seems like everyone had different stuff but the same. So I remember growing up and going to school and we had the pizza. You know, and it was, but it was the pizza where it was like a little rectangular box with holes in the sides. Yep, and, and then the you pizza. open it up, and the pizza is like stuck to the cardboard. Uh huh. And it was like, it's the most wonderful, but like it wasn't really. Well, see, our pizza it may have came in a cardboard rectangle with holes in it. Yeah. But our pizza was also a cardboard rectangle <laughs> yeah. with holes in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, it was exactly the same as the container it came in. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like the equivalent of when you go to the grocery store and you buy the $1 pizza. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, actually, that's what it was, I think. I'm sure it was. Yeah, just it was just a white box instead of labeling. Yeah, government-grade cheese. Government-grade cheese, yeah. Mm, yeah. Gotta love government cheese. So good. So, I didn't bring you here to talk about food. Oh, but I thought you were the food guy. Well, yeah, food guy, but yeah. I'm starting to get into beer a lot more. Mm, and beer. Ben McDonald here is one of our local, I don't know, what would we call you? A guy who likes beer. Okay, I think that's a good description. That's that's it. So you are a guy who likes beer, yeah. and you have your own, what would you call that, a company service? Uh, a yeah, so it started, off as a, it started off as, hey, beer's good? And so that's what it was. Yeah. I just called it brew mechanics, but that's what it was. And so it was just me talking to my friends. About, oh, man, this is great. And, you know, everyone drank the macro, which I did back in college. And then I stopped because it's like I didn't really like it. It was just for mass consume, mass quantities. And after that, you know, those days were over. I'm just like, why am I drinking this? Let's explain that real quick. Yeah. You know, because I'm familiar with the terminology. So macro meaning. Macro meaning mass, massively produced uh, beer very cheaply. By humongous corporate, you know, corporate, uh, corporate companies that make beer. Sure. So think of the equivalent of let's, uh, you know, let's use the um, illustration of McDonald's making a burger. That's what macros tend to be. Sure. So, you know, not to oversimplify it, but it's a it's a type of style that most of them sort of fit in as far as the 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 body, the consistency, the flavor. Um, you know, there are some. Some minor differences, but overall, they're sort of homogeneously the same. Sure. Um, but um, within that, there are some beers that are actually pretty good. Right. So they're not all terrible. But it's just that's that's what dominated all beer, like, in the States forever, right. you know? So since Ben's being diplomatic, I will throw out a few names so people are familiar. Those would be your Budweiser, your Coors, your Labatt Blue, your exactly. Genesee. Yeah. Um. You know, the, the, the big names. If you hear beer, you hear those names, yeah. typically. So continue with your discussion. Yeah, so Genesee, disclaimer, uh, if you're in our region, Genesee is what you hear about. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, Re- regional macro. Regional macro. Yes. But you know what? I made fun of people when I first moved here. Genesee, that's beer. But you know what? Genesee has become... Slowly, one of my favorite micro beers. Sure. And just like, you know, like, yeah, sure, white bread doesn't have a whole lot of nutrition and, you know, there's much better breads out there. But just like white bread, sometimes the sandwich just calls for plain old generic, you know. And Genesee is, I would I would put Genesee as one of the best in macro beers. Yeah. You know, I put it over PBR, I put it over... You know, Coors, but why is all those guys? Sure, it's just a great, straightforward beer. But, but yeah. So, you know, the the what was the question originally? Well, I, I was kind of getting to what you're what you're doing, um, what so you're doing, and why you're doing. How it. I got into it. So yeah. it was it was me rediscovering beer uh, for the first time um, after I don't know, you know, ten years maybe of not drinking any, and um, and it happened in Rochester, and I think my my beer was a PBR. <laughs> Even though it was a macro beer, sure, um, but it was just it was different. You know, all I knew before was like Coors and Budweiser. You know, sure. and um, so this is a PBR, and it's with a really good pizza. So you know, any anything that's 
that's um, by itself, it's going to kind of always come across a certain way. But when you mix it with other flavors, you create a whole different whole different dynamic, a whole different flavor. So that's what I began to do. And because of that, it opened me up to beer. So uh, I went from PBR to Red Stripe to Stella Rotois. You know, and then eventually I found myself at a place in Rochester at the time it was new. I think it was like two years old, which is a tap and mallet sure. over in the South Wedge, Joe McBain's place. And um, was there with a friend and uh, I think it was like two or three other people. And the waiter came over with a menu and the menu looked like an encyclopedia. You know, I was lost. And it really is. It's, and, yeah. It's really intimidating for a newbie when it comes to beer. It is crazy. It was. How much they have. It was. And the people with me just said, you know, the waiter said, hey, do you know what you want? And they said, yeah, we'll have this thing. And the other person, yeah, I want this. And I'm just kind of, you know, sitting there dumbfounded and, and just stupefied. And um, after asking a person to come back several times, it was just like, what do you think I should have? And so I listed off beers just like I did a moment ago. And uh, they said, you know what? I'll be right back. Came back with uh, Frankenscotter. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, which is a German-made beer. And it's a wheat beer. And it's a traditionally, um, you know, wheat Hefeweizen that's made and phenomenal. And, um, And when I had that beer, I was just like, wow. You know, I was just like, I have never had beer like that. And I sometimes use illustration to people like, you know, it was like, you know, growing up and being told what cake was after someone gives me a hostess Twinkie, you know, oh, this is what cake is. And then one day, you know, going down south and having some woman make you a birthday cake from scratch, you know, some German chocolate cake, triple decker with homemade chocolate ice cream. And you eat that and you go... This is cake, you know, so right, exactly. <laughs> that's what it was for me with beer. Yeah, that's very cool. So this is sort of a you know a developing venture for you, right? It was. You're trying to figure out where it's going. So still. It, it started off as sort of a conversation with friends, me being excited, them wanting to know what I was excited about, why. So I was sharing with them my findings. Then that turned into sort of a blog. Um, then that turned into. Um, hey, I'm always hanging out with these guys and just kind of seeing the things they're going through. And it became sort of a me bringing attention to these guys and what they're doing, which, I mean, they already had, really. But it was just me kind of using the skill set I had learned along the way, which was, um, you know, media, a um, little bit of, uh, you know, stuff with marketing. So what it's becoming is now it's becoming a podcast. Um, it's becoming a thing where I bring different local businesses together with the brewers and um, have them share like what they're doing in their industries that can help the breweries out. So a lot of these guys are previous non-business owners, most, and that's across the nation. You know, they were someone who was a home brewer, decided to go into business for themselves and went all in and did it. Um, the problem is, is that usually you, you're kind of limited with your skill set. And when you're starting a business, you really want to be as diverse as possible, at least be aware of things that you don't have before you get into business. And, you know, a lot of these guys are getting into it trial by fire. So they're kind of finding out after the fact, oh, this is what I need. Oh, I need this, you know. Yeah. So um, Brew Mechanics itself has sort of become becoming, I guess, evolving into a place where we can provide needs of breweries. Um, and so... Uh, that's sort of what it is, and it's starting to split off. What I, you know, that and some other passions of just 
bringing attention to some of these guys. So that's what my podcast is about, really, interviewing the breweries. And, and that's Beer Taku. That's what that's called. Yeah, so that, that just started recently, right? You've had yeah, a couple in. So we did, a, um, we did an interview with Knucklehead Brewery, which is out in Webster, New York. Which I really have to get you out really there because do. it's not that far away from here. It is not very far away. So and where, where, really where is fun. it in Webster? I, I, I'm oh, not man. sure. I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not super deep into Webster. I'm trying to remember um, when I went out there. I think you know I went up 590 um, and then got off on the Empire exit. And then you know when you go west on Empire and that turns into the highway. I can't remember the name of the highway. Yeah. But it goes up north. You're looking at the map there. It goes up north. And then um, pretty much you make a left where Wegmans is, whatever street that is in Wegmans. Oh, that's like 10 minutes from yeah, my house. It's right there. Oh, wow. I really should be going. You really there. do. And it's nice inside. It's really nice. They made it. You know, just like you hear them talk about in the podcast, it's really welcoming. Um, you know, it's not so much of a bar. They really didn't want the atmosphere, although they have a bar in there. It's more of a place where just, you know, people can come in, have really good beer, hang out. Uh, meet new friends, you know, talk to the owners, talk about beer. And it's just a really cool, chill place. Yeah, and that's off of uh, Bay Road. That's what it was. Off what of what address Road. do you have for them? Oh, let's find out. So address is uh, 426 Ridge Road, yeah. which is off of Bay, uh, just north of Empire. Once you go past, uh, go down the hill and everything. Yeah, that's, that's really easy to get to. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely be going there soon because that's right in my neighborhood. And you'd be supporting some local beer makers there. Absolutely. And that's that's kind of, I think that's an interesting topic too. So yeah. what I guess I would say the last two years has seen a just explosion in these small, uh, I guess what we call small craft brewers yeah. under the New York State Farm Act, mm-hmm. uh, which has been a huge uh, boon for these new uh, new brewers trying to get themselves started. Um, we've had a ton of interest here in those breweries uh, from uh, so Knucklehead, yeah. Swiftwater, Lost Burrow, mm-hmm. um, Rock Beer, Rock Brewing. Uh, yeah. What's the one in? There's one in uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, Lock, are you talking about? Yeah, Lock Thirty Two. Which I went to not that long ago, which was I thought was quite good. Fairport Brewery. I think Black Button is under the the farmers. They're under the Farm Act too, as a distilling, as As a a distillery. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really amazing the rapid expansion that's happened here. Yeah, and it's all in our neighborhood, you know, and it's great because it's just uh, it's another type of business that they're big. I mean, if you're into like supporting businesses that support the community. Breweries are big on supporting the community, you know, because, I mean, that's their livelihood. Those are the people that will support them and make them survive and, you know, flourish and grow um, because they're they're plugged into a neighborhood. They make stuff that is, you know, it's like milk. It only has so much of a shelf life because that's the way they want it to be. It's, you know, in order to have the freshness and the flavor, they have to uh, do less things to it, um, put less chemicals in it, you know, if any, and it just... You know, it's not made to have a super long shelf life with as much flavor. And that's good. It's just like vegetables, you know. If you don't, the fresher you get them, the more flavor they're going to have. And I think that's something that people forget about when it comes to beer, that it is a, it's an agricultural product. Yeah. And it does have a real shelf life. 
Um, and there's ways to you know improve the shelf life if yeah. you're buying in cans versus bottles. Exactly. If you're storing it properly, light hitting it. Right. Yeah. You're going to extend your shelf life, but still, you know, it has it's a it's a living product. Yeah, it is. And especially a lot of the craft stuff, mm-hmm. when there's still yeast around, when there's other right. things around, it's a living product. It really is. And you know, it's just like some of the best bread is the bread that's made most simply, but just the way it's made. You know, uh, and it's the same thing with with beer, which is, um, you know, it's a variation of bread in a way, um, just with the yeast. I mean, it's just yeast, water, sugar, you know, and then the hops and the malts. But it's it's really the yeast, sugar and water and, and the sugar that comes from the, the malts, you know, and it's just that's what create the, the yeast is what does all the work. The yeast is what makes the beer, actually, you know, and and most uh, brewers that are honest will tell you that. And they just, you know, the way they are at hurting the yeast um, determines how good the beer can be. So it, it is a living, you know, it is a living uh, thing. I mean, yeah, yeast is yeast is a living organism. Yeah. And everything you drink that is alcohol, it is yeast-based in one way or another, whether it's distilled, whether it's brewed, whether it's, you know, fermented kombucha yeah. or your wine. Everything's fermented, and it's all yeast doing that. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, something you have to think about, you know. If you, if you ever watch Elton Brown's uh, Good, uh, oh, I love that dude. Yeah, Good it Eats. eats. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a his depiction of yeast was perfect. Mm-hmm. They're little monsters that are burping out carbon dioxide and making deliciousness <laughs> all the time. Yeah, and harnessing that for harnessing that for good. Yeah, is that's what brewing's all about. It's what distilling is all about. It's what wine making is all about. Yeah. What bread making is all about. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It is. And the fact that we have people like that in our area making it for us, man, support them. You know, support them. And that's, you know, they want, these guys are are craftsmen and they're making art and they're making art that people can consume, which is even better. And um, they're doing it for people here. They could, they could have done it anywhere. And yeah, it's easier to do it in your hometown, but they, you know, a lot of these guys do it out of love and the passion of doing it. And most of them had jobs doing other things. Sure. You know, but they just wanted to kind of follow their passion and, and do something they felt gifted at and skilled at and, um, you know, support support good art, artist, support yeah. good art. So I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Sure. Now, I'm not going to ask you to talk about individual breweries because I, I do really believe that it's important to yeah. support the local breweries. And I think a lot of them are doing good things. Mm-hmm. And on average, I think a lot of them are doing quite well, both in quality and serving their customers. Yeah. Um, from, I think you have a more developed palette with peer than I do. I'm relatively new at all this. But wh- where do you find our overall level right now? We're, we're young, that's yeah, for we sure. Are. Um, how, how do you think we've developed so far and... Where do we stand? Where Where's our improvement needed to be? Um, I feel like, and, and again, I'm no expert. You know, I may be expert among my friends, but I don't count myself as an expert. I count myself as um, someone who's learned a little bit, um, but just realize that there's so much more to learn, you know, right. for me. Um, but just from what I've had from my own experience, you know, I would say that um, – from the stuff I've had and and um, places that have been doing it for longer, and there's more people 
together doing it. So like Vermont, the Vermont's or the Colorado's or, you know, the California places, I would say on a scale from one to 10, you know, them being a nine or a 10, or I would say them being a seven to a 10 in most of those places, I would say, man, and man, and this is me. It's just my own palate, my own taste. I would say we rank somewhere between five being or, or four being acceptable. I would say we we range somewhere between three and five. Sure. On average. You know, I mean, some closer like said, to three, some closer to five on average. Sure. And there's some, you know, there's some stellar beers that come out once in a while, some one offs that don't last very long right. that have happened. Um, some that are bombs and you're just like, what is this? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but overall I feel like we're doing okay. I, I feel like we're doing a little better than okay. Honestly, I feel like we're doing a little better than okay. Um, I feel like a lot of that is due to the support that they, that these breweries get from people who do have really good beer. Like they will either go to travel to or have people send them beer, beer from like Vermont, um, Colorado, um, Asheville, um, a few places in Georgia, California, you know, there, there is more places sprouting up now. Um, but some places that are putting out some dynamic beers and, and you got to keep in mind, a lot of these places that have these flagship beers that are like amazing, like the heady toppers and stuff, everything they make doesn't knock it out of the park. Oh, sure. You know, just like with anything, but what they have on their side is time. So they've had a longer amount of time to make mistakes, you know, to figure out their water, um, how their water works, um, to figure out the, the kind of ingredients they can get consistently, um, and how and how to brew that beer consistently the same at that level most of the time. Yeah, and I think a lot of those places, they also limit what they do. Yeah, they do. I you have a lot, to. A lot of these high-end places, they really limit the amount of beers they make. Yeah. Not only in quantity of, you know, volume of beer, but also the varieties that they make. And it's called quality control. Yeah. And I think that's I think the hardest thing I would assume for a a young young brewing team to do yeah. is consistency. Yeah. And quality control when you don't know everything. It's really difficult. It's it's easier to do it if someone else is footing a bill. Because if you're serious about it, you can, um, you can consistently, you know, make things so often that you'll start seeing patterns and you'll start monopolizing on things and figuring things out. But when it's your own money and it's limited, you know, you're trying to calculate your mistakes and you're trying to, but you know, if you're learning and you're learning from things you don't do or things that don't turn out right. And you go back and, and you um, you put them under a microscope. You can learn a lot, as well as when you do things right and try to replicate that. But um, but yeah, it's it's tough when you're small, your budget is limited, and you really do you really are in a race to turn a profit as soon as possible, or to the, for your expenditures get enough back in to take care of your lights. You sure. know, to take care you of... You got to stay afloat. Stay afloat. Make enough to, you know, the, if it's just you and, you know, maybe you're not the brewer, maybe you hired a brewer, enough to, to keep you both of you paying your light bills, you know, so you can stay in business and keep doing it. So it's tough and um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure that goes along with it. 
you know, and and not just from the outside, but just from yourself. So yeah, I, I imagine. I mean, it's it's a it's getting. There's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot yeah. of friendly competition yeah. and people trying to build each other up at the same time. Absolutely. But at the same time, there is competition because there is we're growing fast. But as most things, yeah, there's a limited total volume that we can support. And there's a limited there's a limited attention span. And that turns into the volume you can you can support. So um, people may know where you're out where you are. Um, people may know who you are. People may have had your beer before, but their attention span is limited, you know? So it's not just, you know, you're dealing with people with their lives, with their jobs, with the economy, with their family, um, with other things vying for their attention, you know, the news, uh, media, other breweries. So sometimes the competition isn't so much, hey, I want to be better than you. I want to be the best guy in town. It's just I want to make a really good product consistently and I want people to keep coming here and supporting it. So in order to do that, you have to keep people's attention on you. And at the end of the day, it has to be they like what you're pouring, you know. So even if you're not making, you know, even if you're not making a seven or eight of a beer, if you're making something that's good, something that's drinkable, something they enjoy, they'll keep supporting you. Sure. And and those, those are very important things. And I think a lot of people get hung up on trying, comparing to the best. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that later, but. Comparing to the best isn't always what you're looking to do. Those characteristics you put out there, that drinkability, mm-hmm. that enjoyable drink. Yeah. It's it's still an admirable thing to do. Yeah. And yeah, I think you should still strive for for greatness. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what most people want yeah. isn't necessarily what you and I want. Right. And I found that in food just as well as in beer that you what what I want isn't what everybody wants. Yeah. And how how do you convey that as the you know as the enthusiast hmm. if we're not calling ourselves experts. Yeah. But as the enthusiast that wants to communicate this to people, how do you how do you tell them how this is and make sure that they know they can find what they want without knowing what they want, you know? So you're saying if I was talking to Someone interested in beer, if I was talking to someone who makes beer, who, 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 your question is? It's not, it's not just, it's not just us. Okay. It's the, the dad that likes, you know, to get a a local beer, but doesn't, doesn't like the wacky flavors. Yeah. He likes his macro brews. You have to make him happy. Yeah. And then you have to make you and I happy. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to make my wife happy, who wants, who sometimes he like, she likes wheat beers yeah. and, you know, a fruited wheat beer, and then you have to make my buddy over at the, you know, who runs the beer at another place who loves sours. Yeah, you're trying to make everybody happy with limited effort and time. You know, you could do that if if time's not a factor and money's not a factor. Um, if it is, then it's going to be, then, you know, it comes in the, the play that old saying that by trying to play, please everybody, you're not going to please anybody, you know? Um, I feel like you can do that, but it takes time to get there. And 
you have to start with one good beer. Sure. You know, it has to be one decent beer, one drinkable beer. So you you find that beer and you find the people that like it and you make sure that it's consistently the same every time they get it. And so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff said about McDonald's. So, so some people are going to hate this ex- analogy, but they did a lot of good things right. Some of the things they did wrong was how, how they didn't change to keep up uh, sure. with you know, good quality stuff and all that kind of thing. So, but with um, one thing they did in the early, early, early days is they just had burgers and fries. That was it. It was consistent. It was good quality stuff and it was consistent. So like whenever you went there, you know, it was going to be the same. That's, that's how they built that company to what it is today. I mean, that's what it started from. Um, And it's the same thing for the breweries out there that have become a household name. You know, they had, they had one really good beer, possibly two, but usually one that was either really good or, or very drinkable. Um, and they developed a following around that. Then they built off of that. So if you can come up with one beer that someone loves, just do that and then begin to build that crowd and cater to that crowd and make sure that crowd knows that, you know, they're the ones that are making this and, and you're making this for them. And then they become your biggest shitters. They help your crowd become larger. Now you can begin to experiment a little bit more and go for your second thing. Maybe that's crazy, you know. But it's it just you have to have a good base of people that you make something for. You make it for them all the time. It's consistent. They're fans of it. And then they'll build you out, you know. Sure. So you mentioned, I think you mentioned Ben and Jerry's before, or at least in our conversation earlier today. Yeah, we were talking earlier about ice cream and... They make a lot of crazy, wacky stuff. Yeah. But did they, in the beginning, I don't know their story, um, their whole story, but in the beginning, were they always making crazy stuff all the time, or did they make something that they just hit it out the park for a lot of people that was crazy, and they just built on that? Do you know their story at all? I don't. Ah, that'd be interesting. We'll see. Yeah, now we're going to entertain people. <laughs> so, yeah, pause the podcast. We'll have to Please, come back to that. Yeah, pause the podcast and go read Ben and Jerry's history and get back to us on what you thought. Uh, so let's transition off of local breweries mm-hmm. for right now. And, well, we've got a fantastic beer in front of us right now. Very good. Speaking of which, I'm letting it get cold. Yeah. Yeah. Now we pause mm. for a drink. Yeah, it's good. I'm really glad you had that in your fridge because I've heard a lot about this beer. And I'm excited, and we'll be plastering this, this empty beer can on my uh, Facebook to my friends. Yeah, so we are drinking um, Lawson's Finest Liquid Sip of Sunshine. Sip of Sunshine. So I was, in, name. I was in Vermont uh, two weekends ago and uh, made a side trip from the Adirondacks to go up. And Vermont's beer scene is... Pretty ridiculous right yeah, now. It is the ice cream scene, the beer scene. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff. Really falafel. <laughs> I, don't know, I just <laughs> threw that in there. See, I made the trip up to Burlington, and um, it turned out that the weekend that I was going up there was uh, it was Vermont's Brewer Fest. Oh wow! Which for me was bad. Yeah, because I wasn't going to the festival. Uh, and the place I was going, which was. Uh, I believe it's a beer warehouse in Winooski, Vermont, which yeah. is just north of Burlington. Um, they usually get about 120 people in line on a Saturday morning. But for you, it was good because they were all diverted. Worse. Instead of 120, there were 260 
There were more people? Over twice what they usually get in wow, line. Wow, that was bad for you. Because there were people from out of town, they all wanted to get what we were all waiting for. Yeah. So we were all waiting for uh, Alchemist Brewery's uh, Heady Topper, Yeah, which is... Uh, on Beer Advocate, currently their number one beer. Mm-hmm. It's a double IPA, and what is, I guess, now referred to as the Vermont style. Yeah, which is um, it's held that spot for. A, I don't know if it's on their website held that spot, but it's sort of held that spot for a few years, quite a few yeah. years now. Which is ridiculous considering the expansion of breweries all around the country. Yeah, um, and there's some really good, really good breweries out in Vermont now. Yeah. You know. Really good breweries out there that I've heard a lot about. I mean, yeah, you have you know, Lawson's, you have Hill Farmstead, mm-hmm. uh, Fiddlehead, yeah. and all these other ones. And it, it was an amazing thing to see people lining up around a building to wait for to wait for one, basically one specific beer. And, um, and, and from held, out of town. Yeah. From out of town. Yeah, I, I drove an hour and 45 minutes. I left at 6 o'clock in the morning. To drive there, to be there an hour before they opened. Yeah. And I was 50th in line. Wow. An hour before they opened that day. And what time did they open that day? They opened that day at 9. Wow. So I was there at 8 o'clock in the morning, having driven an hour and 45 minutes. On a Saturday? Saturday morning. And that's what making one good beer consistently will do. Yeah. The work got around. And right now, they make a total of four beers. That's it. They make one that is sold in stores. Yep. One. That's it. And Great then the example. other one they sell to restaurants in cans and I think on draft. Great example. That's and it. then two others that are rare mm-hmm. lots that they make. So those are so for the super beer nerds, those ones. Right. But all those are those are four different groups of people. Right. Four different groups of people. Yeah. You know, and the stuff that they, they put in the restaurants are people that are from out of town, people that have heard the name. Sure. Um, you know, people just want something from that particular brewery. And I tried it. It was actually, it was really good. It was their regular IPA, the yeah. Focal Banger. It was called their regular IPA? It was called the Focal Banger? Focal Banger is the name. Okay. So it's... Uh, Plentiful. Uh, yeah, it What was, they make in mass quantities of what they, they make? They don't make in mass quantities either. I mean, compared to everything else? Uh, I think it's still pretty comparable. Really? They just don't sell it in stores. Okay. So They limit it to restaurants. Yeah. Interesting. So you can't buy it anywhere else yeah. other than in restaurants. It's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. I like that. And I thought it was that was quite good as well. Yeah. And so, as uh, Ben mentioned, we're drinking Sip of Sunshine, which is Lawson's IPA. I don't think it's technically a double, although it's an 8% beer. Mm. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So... Doubles are funny because sometimes they're doubles because of the amount of alcohol that's in them. And sometimes they're double because of, you know, what goes into them. So they kind of cross lines sometimes. It really it feels it, like yeah. a double. It, does it feel like a double to you? I don't know. It kind of has that, that it's, it's got a little bit of heaviness from the alcohol, which kind of, for me, smooths out a lot of the... That's why I like doubles. Yeah. The, the smooths out the... So IPAs are often dominated by the hops flavor, yeah. which is really the signifying characteristic. And sometimes you can just be super bitter, hop forward, so bitter, piney, a little citrusy, and it kind of ends up one note. Yeah. Well, I found more of the doubles round out. They do. You get the you get different citrus, and you in this like you get pineapple. Yeah. 
Um, and you can get a little earthy mushroominess at the end. Mm. And I, 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 I love this one. It's one, one of the favorites I've tried so far. I mean, I can see how you, how you would want to classify this as a double. Sure. I, um, to me, this is doubles I've had tend to be it feel a lot, a little bit more thicker, thick, okay. a little more thick, and um, and a little sweeter, typically, uh, just because of the more malt that's going into them. Sure. Um, but this is this is fairly light. It feels like, you know, and um, for IPA, this just it, like you said, it does have that characteristic of being very smooth that you do get from doubles. Right. But it just it just feels lighter bodied. To me, you know, um, I like the color a lot. Really, almost like a bright, bright yellow, a little orangey. Yeah, definitely. Kind of reminds you of like pineapple, like you were saying. It's yeah, orangey. it's and it's not super clear either. It has plenty yeah. of, plenty of delicious suspended items in there. It's kind of clear. See, maybe maybe I got more of the. Uh, you got more of the can. Maybe yeah. you got more of the resin at the you end. You got more of the can. Which, but for yeah. me, I don't mind. Oh, yeah, yours <laughs> is almost perfectly crystal clear. Yeah, that looks, see, that looks like a macro beer almost. Yeah. Just the body of it. Well, mine, I'm looking, so, uh, Sip of Sunshine and Heady Topper, which is the other one we mentioned, uh, can-conditioned beers mm-hmm. where there's more left, more particulate left in the beer. Yeah. Which yeah. adds a different dimension to it, that's for sure. So the beers, when I put the beers into the beer cans and seal them, the beers are very much active. So it's it's almost like the equivalent of um, if you've ever gone to like your public market or your farmer's market where you live, a lot of times you'll find um, within that within that community, you'll find people who raise honeybees and they bring in honey. And typically they'll bring in honey that's unpasteurized. And uh, just like milk, it's going to have a lot more flavor because the enzymes are still alive in it. Um, so, like with the beer, when I when I put beer inside of a can and they don't pasteurize the beer, um, or they put more, of, or or they they uh, do it a little early in the process, um, the beer is still changing, so it's still evolving. The flavor is still changing. Um, so yeah, when you when you have a bottle condition or a can condition beer, it could be interesting. And that's where some people get into uh, get into aging too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that you'd be aging IPAs usually, but. Not so much. Um, but like with your strong ales, you know, and with your porters and your barrel aged, you know, beers and all, all that stuff, that, that's a lot of times where you get into that. But um, so, I mean, you do see a little bit of aging with like some of your strong ales, barley wines, that. Sure. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, bottle condition, not so much. You know, it's a little different. They try to get those out as soon as possible. Yeah. So let's transition off of Vermont, even though right now it's my favorite topic <laughs> because I was just there. Yeah. Um. So what what are you what are you drinking right now? I mean, not not mm. right now, but what what are your what are your go tos right <sighs> now that people can actually get? Well, if you're in Rochester. Um, some beers that you can get locally. Um, Rock Beer is doing some phenomenal beers right now. They're uh, they're just coming out with some stuff. Some of their oldies, but goodies. They've revamped, changed, played around with some of the recipes, and they're also 
starting to get back into what they did in their old days, which was just get real creative a lot more often and make some really interesting flavor combos. Um, so that's Rock, Rock Beer in the City. Um, it's on Union Street, right? Right on Union Street. Rock Brewing, yep. Yeah, it's right where they're they're changing the inner loop. They're taking the inner loop and they filled it in with dirt. Yep. And they're going to make that part of the city landscape now. So to get from downtown Rochester over to the South Wedge, it would just be a walk across what used to be highway or inner highway. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting transition, isn't it? It's going to be really different. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Um, another brewery I would say definitely make your way to is Swiftwater, which is the newest one. Uh, I think it Rochester. is the newest one, isn't it? It is. Yeah. They open up, I want to say, last October, November, I think, maybe. Yeah, it sounds about right. Might even be after that. It might be, yeah. And uh, they're just putting out some phenomenal beers, and Annie's just a, and his uh, brewer over there with him. They're just consummate beer makers, man. He, um, before he even, you know, a few years before he even was talking about making a brewery, he was always making beer at home and, and just made his basement into this, you know, this alchemist thing. <laughs> sure. And uh, just put a lot of good stuff. But that's what he does over there, he just does it bigger. And um, he's starting to, you're starting to see his beer pop up in one or two places around town. He's sure. starting to get, you know, the confidence where that consistency is going to be about the same. And he's just putting out some, con- just some incredible stuff. Yeah. And Swiftwater looks like they opened in January. Was it year. January? That's what it was. And okay. they're located over on Mount Hope. Mount Hope. Yeah. Mount Hope just passed, uh, past Fourth the Fourth Street Bridge. Yeah. Um, Really easy to get to location yeah. and uh, another another pretty building. Yeah, uh, Rock Brewing is another. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful design. And uh, Swiftwater did a great job too with the yeah. that open garagey feel. Yeah, it used to be. I don't know if you knew this, but it used to be an old truck garage. Really? Yeah. So like big dump trucks, and um, I was in there, and he was showing me around when he bought the place. And the you know they have to pull up a lot of the old concrete. Some of it they left there, but it was like six inch thick concrete floors to support the trucks, the dump trucks that they had to store wow. in there. And uh, the garage door on the front, they replaced it and put an all glass garage door there. So that it was a real beautiful. garage door. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And um, so yeah, they're just so I mean you know it's places like that. Um, it's just Rochester is coming into its own. Now, as far as some beer you can get here that aren't necessarily made by our guys. Right. Um, Grimm, Grimm Brothers Beer out of, I uh, believe they're in Brooklyn, I want to say, if you look them up. Um, I know they're up in New York area, New York City area. But Grimm, Grimm Brewing, phenomenal beers there. They were known as a gypsy brewery. Yeah, it looks like Brooklyn, New York. It was yep. Brooklyn, okay. Um, and their beers have been phenomenal, and they were always uh, making one-offs and making crazy stuff, um, but somehow they were able to get their consistency down, big, full-flavored, crazy beer combos, and um, somehow on the system they had, get it all, all the way out here to us, and uh, and Rochester is a very supportive town of beer. Oh, and another uh, beer that's that I'm in love with is from a brewery called Greensport, I believe. And I okay. believe... Don't get it confused with Greenpoint. No, not Greenpoint. I think it's Greensport. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, they're new. They're new to Rochester. They, uh, they came out here, 
I want to say in the spring summer when their distributing came out our way. Yeah, Greenport Harbor Brewing Company yes. in New York. Yep. Man, they, their beer is good. Like their IPAs are just great. You know. Oh, another one that we get is single cut out here. Okay, I'm not. I'm not as familiar with single that. cut. Puts out some really good beer. So my evolution into beer started out with uh, lagers, and then because I was more, more malt based, you either like as a kid, you either like like uh, you know gummy bears, gummy worms, or you like the sour patch kids or of the course. sour you know sour worms. It's kind of like you know, palates. So that sort of transitions into adulthood. Um, you know, some people lean towards more sweet, some people more towards sour. So with beer, that's toward more people. Some people are more malt-ended and other people are more hop-ended, you know, sure. more the bitter. So um, so I my evolution in the beer was more malt, more sugar. So I went from that to suddenly somehow went into porters and stouts. I don't know how that happened, but I was drinking like all of a sudden I was just, I couldn't have enough stouts and it was in the summertime mm. and they're traditionally like winter, keep you warm type of beers. Oh yeah, they're they're hefty. They're dark. hefty, yeah. And I just could not get it, I don't know. So I went from, <laughs> and I remember people giving me, oh, you like craft beer, you'll like this and giving me these crazy IPAs and I couldn't drink them unless it was summertime, you know, with the burger or hot dog or something, the blend sure. in the flavor. But I went from lagers, porter stouts, um, and then all of a sudden I had a hankering for, after all the sugar, I had a hankering for something different. So I wanted to go back to sort of the IPA bitter, but not all the way. So I found Pale L's, which is a like nice segue into that sort of hop forward type of thing. Um, and then it was Pale L's and double IPAs. And now it's IPAs. So yeah. I'm really enjoying IPAs right now. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, see, I think everybody has their journey into into beer in a different way. Yeah, and I I, I find that fascinating because I, I I started drinking late in life. I started drinking last summer, mm-hmm. and from that time, I've I'm learning a lot really quickly. Yeah. But it there's so much to try and so yeah. much to learn about. There is. It's a fascinating world, really. Yeah, it is, and what's interesting too is that. You know, just like with anything that's subject to us or subject to the person, um, your taste buds, it's one of your cells that falls off, sheds off very quickly at huge numbers of them, more than other parts of your body. And so that's why every seven years they say your taste completely changes. So from that's why as a kid, when you're little, you know, all you like was spaghetti and meatballs or spaghetti and hot dogs, kind of hot dogs or right. McDonald's burgers a certain kind of way. Sure. And you wouldn't try anything. Not like now you'll eat things that you hated as a kid. And that's just because, you know, every seven years, you know, your body kind of your taste kind of changes. So you'll find that as well with your favorite beer types, you know that you kind of transition from, man, I just don't feel like this type of beer I've been drinking lately. I want something different. And there's there's so many different styles, you know, classic styles and now hybrid styles that have kind of come about in beer. So it's it's really interesting, the whole thing. Well, not only that, I mean, it's all the different trends. You know, sour is such a new trend yeah. that it's just getting to Rochester right now. Mm-hmm. And people are starting to get into sours and goes beers yeah. and Gooses uh, and yeah, it's goes f- and sours and and uh, gosh, what's the other one? Lambics, yeah, and um, forgetting one or two others, but they all sort of fall in that sort of 
sour category, some some form or element. Yeah, and it's all it's it's really fascinating. I think it's definitely something that people are going to enjoy exploring because it's yeah. so different. Because it's not bitter anymore. It's yeah. it is sour in a real way. Yeah. And I, I've actually really enjoyed the ones I've tried so far. They're very refreshing. Yeah. Very crisp, and it's. I think it's a great hot weather drink. Yeah. Because they tend to be very light, light in alcohol. They, t- they and definitely light. tend to be light. Uh, they tend to be more sessionable. Sure. Um, not Tip- always. Yeah, but typically in the four, four range, yeah. four or five range. Yeah, they do, which is great. Um, and, you know, for the guys out there who have women or girlfriends or wives that just don't like beer, you know, and you're, you're a big beer person, you'll find that they'll tend to at least try these and sometimes like them a lot. Absolutely. You know? And there, there's some delicious fruit ones that aren't fruity. Yeah. But the fruit characteristic comes through. One, one that came to mind that I really liked was uh, Anderson Valley's uh, Blood Orange. Yeah. Blood Orange goes. It was a great introduction to it because you got the fruit on the nose, but it didn't play sweet at all. Yeah. But you didn't. You felt like it was there. Yeah. Which I think is the, the mark of a well-thought-out, well-crafted drink. And it's the same in from what I'm finding, same in wine, same in cocktails. Yeah. Where you might be able to smell the intensity of something, but mm-hmm. it comes across more subtle. Yeah. You know, I, I find that very enjoyable where you get different dimensions of the flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. I, I'm, um, I'm kind of mumbling because it's late at night. Oh, it's okay. You know, uh, definitely one thing I want to say is that Rochester is a really cool community. And... A lot of people don't realize it, but there, if you live in Rochester or the Rochester region, we're you have a really special, uh, you're in a real special, unique place for craft beer, and I say that because a lot of breweries will test market their beers here before they uh, send them out to New York City. Interesting. I'm not sure I was aware of that. And the reason for that is because Rochester is sort of unique. And that um, there's a lot of people, and, and a lot of it has to do with how our city makeup is. Um, but we are a huge supporter of craft beer. But besides that, we are interconnected very well, communicate with each other very well hmm. from different parts of the city, which makes for a stronger um, anything that's getting sold, you know, um, especially that's being tested. Um, because what that means is that when someone goes somewhere, oh man, this beer is here. I can't believe it's here. I put it up on Facebook and I have my network of friends, you know. So what's different about Facebook here and maybe say other places is that a lot of people will, after communicating on Facebook, will go meet up actually in person. And that's, I think, a lot has to do with how Rochester sort of is. And a lot of, you know, a lot of it has been folded into our culture here because of RIT. And, you know, U of R and, and just the different colleges here um, because of Kodak and the huge communities of people that were brought here, raised here, um, interconnected here um, in a small sort of a, a large, small city. And because of that, it's just done really well for craft beer. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd heard that before. It's uh, that's. That's pretty cool. Definitely affects how beers. It's very craft beer here is support really, really well, and um, yeah, and and it's hard with craft beer because like when they go into places like a New York City or a Chicago, it's difficult because yeah, there's a lot more people, but there's so many things, so many activities, 
so many different things vying for the attention of all those people. Sure. You know, and it's difficult to have a group, a large enough group of people to impact. So I think that's what makes us really unique with that. Hmm. All right. Well, we're coming towards the end here. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to finish off with if you're talking to somebody who wants to try craft beer in Rochester, I'm not talking about the breweries. Now yeah. I'm talking about if you're going to somewhere, you mentioned Tap and Mallet. Yeah. Which is obviously it's a great place to start. Uh, what what other places are you going to that you enjoy? Are good places to try something new? Yeah, where you feel the quality's high and mm. you're, you're going to get a high success rate. I was hoping you would ask that question. Next, and I honestly, man, you're good. Um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, one of the top places is Tap and Mallet. Um, I'll just name off a few places: sure. Tap and Mallet, um, Owl House. Um, Old Toad, uh, new place in town, um, beer market, and that's over in College Town, right? Right on yep. U of R, off of U of R campus there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't forget this place. It's is one of the one of the. It's up there with, with uh, beer market, I believe, because um, they do get some good beers in it. Um, it's on the other campus of RIT, which is uh, Loving Cup. Um, they do a lot for the beer community in Rochester. A lot. They have a um, an event called Homegrown, where they have it's huge. Yeah, yeah. They do it, and I think they call it by a different name in the summertime. But they do it in the winter, dead of winter, when there's nothing else going on, and all the beer makers around the area will come that are invited. You know, it's it, it really, really is amazingly event. well attended in yes. the middle of the winter. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great it's a great event. I've I've been a couple times, and I really need to go again now that I'm actually drinking because before I hated it. <laughs> Because it's a terrible place to be if you're not drinking. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Because everyone else, I, I tell you, man, Eric, Eric, and his wife Leslie are good, good, good people, man. And what's what's great about them is that they made that place to support local musicians. That was kind of the idea behind the whole place, and craft beer just blended right into that. But like off the top of my head, those are some of the. Um, places that I would like right away name. And there's a few other places I'm sure that come to mind. But, you know, if you're interested in just learning about beer um, with people who take as much time as you want, you know, the equivalent of going to a library or study hall or something like that, I would say go to the local um, Home Brewers Association group in okay. Rochester. It's I believe it's one of the largest ones in the state um, in Rochester here again, you know, built on how our city's built. Um, and there are people in that group that have been making beer for like 30, 40 years wow. that will rival anything that's made commercially in Rochester. That's fantastic. I mean, that good. Yeah. And um, a lot of the guys who have opened up um, some of the breweries like Fairport and, and um, you know, Andy from Swiftwater and Ben Meso out in Prison City out in Syracuse area and, um, you know, Rock, um, these guys have, have – belong to these groups and so that's where they sort of got to sharpen their chops and you know have people say hey this beer sucks you know this is what you need to do this is that you know but talk to them straight um but so these groups are or this particular group is great to go to and you could go in and visit they welcome you know people to come in um the official name of the group is upstate new york home brewers association which spells uniha um so i believe it's uni uniha.org um, where you can just Google them and they usually meet um, and have a group meeting the second Wednesday of every month 
And it's usually pretty well attended. You'll have anywhere from 40 to 60 people there. And uh, people bring a lot of homebrew beer. And people will bring a lot of beer that a lot of people have gone to travel that month around the country and bring stuff back. So you get to try a lot of stuff and learn a lot of stuff. It's great. And I think it's like 25 bucks a year. You know, oh, but, but they let you come in and check it out, you know, once or twice or three times. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it's a great group to just learn about beer. Very nice. All right, man. So let's put in your plugs at the end. Where, where can people find you, Mr. Ben McDonald? Uh, well, you can find me at um, Brew Mechanics, which is www.brewmechanics.com. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I also will have a site. It's not out yet, but I am putting the podcast, um, which will be under the name Beer Otaku. Um, Spelled O-T-A-K-U. Very good. Mm. Very good. Um, and it's a Japanese term. And it just word just simply means like um, something you're insane, crazy about, like like even more than a hobby. You know, yeah. you're really into it. Um, so right now you can find the podcast on um Brew Mechanics, or on SoundCloud. But soon there will be a website following. And hopefully an RSS feed for us hope, hopeless nerds. Yes, right. Yes, of course. they, do, they of use course. podcast feeds. <laughs> of course. That's the best. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming over, hanging out for the uh, hanging out for the food truck rodeo. Man, thanks for having me. This is this is a blast today. Yeah, I'm looking, I need it. looking forward to seeing you over here again as uh, the beer scene continues to grow in Rochester. Absolutely, of course. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right.